Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Um, we we uh, this is Easter uh, week after Easter, and uh, we we had a pastors meeting this week with all the pastors in the area, man, and everybody was like, yeah, it was the best week ever. And all of them was like, but there's another Sunday coming. And it's the week after Easter. And everybody was like, oh my goodness, I don't know what it's going to be like. And I'm so thankful that you guys decided to come. (laughs) Because it is a reality. Most people attend church twice a year, Christmas and Easter. And the message of Easter that, that we shared last week, it's the foundation of our faith. It's the foundation of who we are as believers. Um. And this cross that we celebrate, the cross that we celebrate is not simply about, like we said last week, us looking up at Jesus and, and looking at Jesus and going, Jesus, you're my Savior, you're, you're, you're my, my God. It's not simply that. It's way more than that. It's also Jesus looking at us and saying, listen, now I've set the example for you. You no longer have an excuse to say, I don't know how to carry my cross. Because he said to them, every single one of you, every single one of you are to carry a cross. In Matthew 10 verse 38, it says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So that means there's a mandate for every single one of us to say that we are, we are a follower of Jesus for every single one of us, it means that we have a cross that we have to take up. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, um, don't raise your hands, but just think to yourself, are you currently carrying a cross? Now, I would like to briefly, very briefly, just explain and clarify cross. Cross and carrying your cross, what does it mean? Here's what it does not mean. It does not mean you are a victim. Carrying your cross as a Christian does not mean that suddenly you become a victim to the world and you walk around with a victim mentality. That's not carrying your cross. Jesus, remember we said Jesus is our example. We look up at him and he's going to be the one that we're going to follow. We're going to follow his example. Jesus was never a victim. Never. Even though the Romans killed him, the Jews persecuted him, um, falsely accused him. Even though he was nailed to a cross, he said, None of you take my life from me. I lay it down. It is a choice and a decision that I am making. And I'm doing it because it's the purpose of God for my life is to lay down my life. Therefore, I'm not a victim. I am a follower. And it's the same mentality for us. We are choosing to carry our crosses not because we are victims to the world. We are not victims. We are choosing to do life God's way. That's what I'm choosing. You are choosing God's plans over your own. Many people are carrying fake crosses. I we did say, I said it was going to be a little bit of a challenging message. And the purpose of the challenge is not to offend or break down or uh, cause anger or division. The purpose of the challenge is for us to grow and to move forward in our relationship. 
to get rid of the stuff, like she said. I love the example of the couch. Not that we should buy one, but the example that <laughs> if there is an old one, it doesn't help you buy a new one. You've got nowhere to put it. And, and God's going to share some stuff with you today that you must be willing to say, God, if there are things in my life that's not from you, I want them gone so I can make room for what's good. So the purpose of the cross and carrying a cross, it doesn't help if you are carrying crosses that are fake crosses. Or, let me put it to you this way, illegal circumstances that you are labeling as a cross. Now, what's an illegal circumstance? They are illegal because it's stuff that Jesus already died for and already paid for. And you carrying it as your cross. And you're like, ah, uh -uh. Jesus like, ah, uh -uh. I died for that. Already died for that. Okay, here are some things that are not crosses. What are crosses? What are not crosses? Are you ready? Here we go. Depression is not your cross. Christ died for that. Which means we can pray and believe for that to be lifted. Right now, depression might be a burden, but it's not a cross. Anxiety is not your cross. Christ died for that. This means we can pray for it. And we can start applying His principles. The principles we find in His Word to combat that thing. I want to say again, anxiety might be a burden that you are bearing right now, but it's not a cross. It's a burden that He died for. And if we apply His principles, I really believe that the burdens that we are carrying can be lifted. You don't have to keep them. Sickness and disease. Now, now, this is one I know some people struggle with. Sickness and disease is not a cross. It's not a cross. Because the Bible says that He's died, He died for all our infirmities and all our iniquities. He already died for it. So, so let's read Isaiah, what it says. Isaiah 53 says, But He was pierced for our transgressions. Now, how many of you believe that? Our transgressions means that, that on the cross, He paid for all our sins. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for all our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace was on Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. Okay, so here's the biblical definition for iniquities. Make room. Okay, everybody ready to make some room for some stuff that he's died for. That's not crosses that you should be carrying. Okay, here's the definition. An unsound or unhealthy state of the body. Weakness, feebleness, weakness of mind, defects, imperfection, weakness. It says that again. As sickness or bodily disease. Moral or spiritual weaknesses and defects. He died for all of that on the cross. Do not make that your cross. Do not carry something that he's already paid for. That means all pain that was caused by sickness, sickness, he's already died for that. Now, I know some of us struggle with that thought because some people have this mindset that Everything, God is sovereign. So the sickness that I, that I have is sovereign. It's from Him. Here's the challenge then. If it's from Him, stop praying for Him to take it away. 
Just live in it. Stop taking medication to ease the pain. Because why would you want to do anything that's against God's will? Stop going to the doctor. Stop searching Google for home remedies. It's not God's will for your life. It's a burden. I know that there are many of you that are struggling with ailments, things that are in pain, and it's hard. And I don't want to lift or take any of the severe agony that you might be going through. I don't want to make light of that. But here's the good news. Based on what we know He's already accomplished on the cross, it means that we can pray for that thing. It means that we have the right and the access to step in and say, God, please will you heal this? Right now, there's, there's still signs in the body of pain and suffering. And we pray, because you said you've died for that on the cross, we can come to you and ask, Father, take this away. Lift this burden. Okay, so I also want, want to give you now, everybody's still good with me? Everybody? Okay, fantastic. <laughs> okay, I would like to give you a very simplified, watered-down um, definition and the reason it's simplified and watered down because I wrote it myself. Um, that's how I understand things. I like things simple, that it makes sense to me. So here's a watered down definition for carrying the cross. Ready? Everybody ready? If you're struggling to figuring out if you're carrying a cross or not, here's the definition to determine if you are carrying a cross or not. Here it is. It's everything I'm doing in my life that makes me more like Christ. That's carrying my cross. Everything I'm doing in my life, that after I've gone through it, after I've done it, I'm going to resemble Him more. Carrying my cross is my process of growing as a follower of Christ. It's me doing things His way when the world tells me to do them differently. And even though it gets hard sometimes to do things His way, I do it because I've read the screenplay. We spoke about it last week. We spoke about Isaiah writing the screenplay for Easter 3,000 years before it happens. He writes down the detail of the whole event. Everything is written down. And now because I've seen what he's done on the cross, that screenplay now becomes how I'm going to make my decisions also. Based on what he said in his word. And I know the outcome of carrying my cross. Because I know the outcome of, of what it was for him when he carried his cross. Resurrection. Life. Carrying my cross means I put my faith in Jesus and I apply his principles and I do things his way. And then whatever the outcome of that situation is, I trust him and I know his plans are for me. And I know his plans are great, even though the outcome might not be what I wanted it to be. I know my God is greater than what that outcome currently is. That's carrying my cross. As long as I do my part, what's my part? Apply His principles. Do things His way. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what rejection you might have received or are in right now. When we apply His principles, the Word says there will be a resurrection and He is our sample and our example. For me, carrying my cross means that I'm going to build my home on His principles. He's going to be my rock. He's going to be my foundation. See, I think the disciples, if you look at this, this passage, it's so amazing. 
the disciples, like many of them, were so confused about the cross. The disciples knew the cross to be a public display um, where the person who is punished is humiliated and killed. That's what they recognized the cross with. They saw the cross as public death to shape public opinion and consciousness. The, the, the cross was to make the people looking at the person on the cross filled with fear, wanted to scare them. So when Jesus started talking about the cross to them, as I'm talking to, about the cross to you, they were confused, as I think many of you are. Nine months before Jesus died on the cross, first time he spoke to his disciples about the cross, nine months. He gave them nine months worth of preparation to be ready for what's going to happen on the cross. Matthew 16 verse 15 said the following. He said to them. So, so just be, before this, this passage comes up, um, he asked them, who do the people say I am? And they said, well, some say that you are Elijah. Then Jesus said to his disciples, okay, who do you say I am? So these are the followers of Jesus. They're standing in front of him. And he's saying to them, okay, so who do you say I am? Then Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now the word Peter, he said, and I also say to you that you are Peter. In the Greek, it's the word Petros. It means rock. More accurately, means Small pebble, <laughs> right? Some, some people go, yeah, Peter's the rock. No, Peter's small pebble. He says, and on this rock, that word rock, you are Peter. And on this rock, do not confuse and think that Jesus is saying, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. The statement that you made, Peter, on that rock, that's the word Petra, which means boulder. On that rock, I'm going to build my church. He says, Peter, you seem to have a revelation. It's as if you caught something. And Peter, Peter, rock. What you said there, that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. What you said, that statement there. That's going to be the rock, the boulder that I'm going to build the church on. Now, Jesus keeps talking. Verse 21, and from that time on, Jesus began to explain to the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. Okay, so he began to explain to them, okay, um, starts talking to them that you said that I am a Christ. So, so he's like, okay, now that you know I am the Christ, you told me I am the Christ. I say, yes, I am the Christ. I confirm it. It's true. My Father in heaven confirms it also. I am the Christ. We are all in agreement. I am the Christ. Now that you know I am the Christ, I'm going to talk to you about my death. Why? 
Because if you read the writings that were over 3,000 years old, you guys are good Jewish boys, which meant at the age of 12, they studied the book of Isaiah, which meant at the age of 12, they knew exactly what the Christ had to go through for the punishment of our sins. It wasn't news to, news to them. He is supposed to die on the cross. We read he's going to be raised up. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be despised. This is what you are supposed to do. That was God's plan. God's plan is for Christ to die on the cross. Now I love this. The rock is talking. Or the pebble. Verse 22. <laughs> Look at this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus just told Peter, Peter, you know what? Peter, you make me proud. You are a rock. You just made a good confession that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter, you just, make a, you just made a great confession. And this is so much like us. We make these powerful statements. And then the next moment, our character jumps back into our old nature. Just like Peter. You are the son of the living God. And then I rebuke you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. It's so confusing, Peter. Now, I want you to follow, follow this. I, I want you to get this. What Jesus is saying is, he says, look, to be who I am, the statement that you made, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. To be who I am, so that I can make you who God has made you to be, there is a process. And part of the process is, I have to die on a cross. To be who I am, to make you who you're supposed to be, there is a process. Now, I want you to follow my process. Whoever follows me, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me, I want you to follow the process that I went through to become who I'm supposed to be so that you can be who you're supposed to be. I want you to follow my process because you also have to go through a process. I hope you're getting, I hope you get that. I hope you're getting the message. There is a process for growth. There is a process for the resurrection, for new life. The word Christ means anointed one. The word Christian means the anointed ones. If you are a Christian, means that you are a Christ follower, which means we are the anointed ones who follows the anointed one. We follow his example. This means we are the body who follows Jesus Christ as our Savior and his instruction. That's how we're going to live our lives. Then he says, I'm going to bear my cross, which means we have to, to understand that God has got the same plan for us. This is God's plan. And just as, as I said, Christ said to them, I am the Christ. Know that it's God's plan for me, and I want to fulfill every plan that he has for my life. So I'm going to go through the process. But Peter became uh, a little bit upset, and he rebuked 
Jesus and he said, never, Lord, never. This shall never happen to you. Some people, you come to know God and, and maybe you've experienced this. And after you gave your life to, to Jesus, maybe you've heard a pastor or another Christian or somebody else, a family member say to you, they told you, listen, now that you're a Christian, everything's going to be all right. Right? You're a Christian now. Everything is going to be all right now. Just, you can breathe. It's going to be easy now. Right? It's going to be, everything's going to be amazing. It's going to be all right. You're going to make it. They lied. They did. It's a lie. They told you it's going to be all right from now on and you will no longer have any trouble in this world. And that's not true. There will be trouble. There will be challenges. Believer or not, there will be trouble and challenges. Now that you are part of God's kingdom and you start applying His principles to your life, there will be more. It's part of the process. Jesus said, when you discover who you are in Christ, you better get ready for the cross. Some of your problems only started when you became a Christian because now your new normal is not the same normal as the world is. It's expected. Trouble is expected. It's supposed to happen because you are now swimming upstream. You are now running on the narrow path, and that's cross country. <laughs> you see what I did? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I know. I've got lots of those. If you don't have challenges yet, just wait. This is not a warning message. Oh, just wait. It's not warnings. This is a good news message. I know you don't, haven't experienced it yet, but just wait. Peter, Peter, Peter had the spirit of, of many of us. This shall never happen to you. And what we sometimes do when we become Christians, and I want to say this again. Sometimes um, when, when we started the church, I was trying to ignore or even dodge anything that seemed hard as a Christian because God's for me now, so there can't be anything negative in my life. Because maybe that means, and this is where people get their minds so wrong. They think that if there's something, a sickness or disease or whatever, trouble, trouble, it must be because I've opened up doors to the devil. No, it's not the truth. We live in a fallen world where there is trouble. In this world, there will be. So, so thinking that there won't be trouble for you now to a Christian, that's not what the Bible says. It says in this life, you will have trouble. It says about the man who built his house on the rock, they called him wise. The man who built his house on the sand, they called him a fool. Why? Because the storm is coming for both of them. Not just for the one. And just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean it's a watered down storm or one that's a little lighter. It's the same storm, same storms in this world. But the difference is your house is built on the rock, which means you won't crumble. This scripture is so significant. Psalms 118 verse 24. It says the following. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You guys know that scripture? You know that song? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. 
I will rejoice and be glad. It's about rejoice in the Lord. It's a real foot tapper, as you can see. Yeah, there you go. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Do you know what day that day is? What day that day is referring to? This scripture specifically is referring to the day Jesus dies on the cross. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. This is the day Jesus Christ goes to the cross. But not only that, it's also referring to the day we pick up our cross. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. We'll be all in it. Got that. Now we finally know how to do it. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The day Jesus goes to the cross. This is the day I have an example on how to carry mine. But not just that. We will not only follow his example on how he took up his cross, but we will also follow his example of what came after it. Resurrection. Now for us as believers, we know we're going to spend eternity with God. But also, for our lives, while we are alive, we know we're going to have resurrections in our lives. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, finally, I have an example of what it means to carry my cross and how to bear it. But not just that, I also know the outcome of it. Which means I can now rejoice in it. I'm not carrying a cross wondering how this is going to end. That's how many people carry the, oh, I don't know how this thing's going to end. I don't know if it's going to end. Will it ever end? Oh, it might end in my death. Listen, for us as believers, even if it does, resurrection. This is the day the Lord has made for us. Now, your this is the day is no longer just um, on Easter, Easter uh, Friday or Easter Sunday. It's every day, Monday through Sunday. Amen? Because I'm carrying my cross every day. I'm carrying my cross every day. It's a different mindset of what the world has in regards to what it means to have a cross. Our cross is not a defeated victim mentality. Our cross is knowing, I know what my father's outcome is for me. Your good day, your good day, when, oh, this was a good day. It's because you understand the purpose of the trouble. It's not because you didn't have any. Yes, that was a good statement. If you get that. Your good day is because you understand the purpose of the cross. It's not because you didn't have one. Oh, this is such a good day. Today I didn't have to carry anything. It's like understanding the purpose of training with weights. It looks good. No. Resistance. Resistance causes growth. And it doesn't mean I'm going out looking for trouble. 
going out to try and find crosses that I shouldn't carry. Trying to find crosses that God, Christ already carried. Get rid of those. But it means that I'm going to do things God's way. And when I do things God's way, there will be resistance. Not from Him. But there will be resistance. But that means also, this is exciting. Listen, believers, church, come on. This is like good news. If there is resistance, there is growth. Man, I'm busy building my muscles up. I'm getting stronger in Christ. I'm becoming a disciple that's not just flaky, that the moment a little bit of resistance comes my way, I fall away. I'm getting stronger in my faith every single day because I don't put the cross down simply because it gets hard. I'm building up my faith muscle. I'm growing in my character. And I'm, as I'm growing through this resistance, I have something in my mind which I know. I've read this screenplay, and I know while I'm carrying this cross, there's going to be a resurrection. God's going to do something amazing through it. Now, now watch this. Jesus, Jesus turned, and he said to Peter, <laughs> this is so good, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. This is so interesting. We see in other places in the world, uh, in the word, where Jesus would say, that was the devil. That there, he is of the devil. This, so he's referring to things, manipulation of the devil, manipulation of the evil one, right? The references like that. But Peter, he doesn't say Peter, 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 Peter. You are under the influence. This is like Peter, you are under the influence of the devil. Peter, you are being manipulated by the devil. Listen, when anyone tries to take you off your cross, and this is going to be a really hard statement, when anyone tries to take you off your cross, now, clarify, cross is doing things God's way. Anyone tries to take you off that cross, it's the devil. When people try to tell you, just get off your cross. Stop doing things God's way. There's an easier path. There's an easy way to get there. It's the devil. Jesus turned to Peter and said, <laughs> addressed him, get behind me, Satan. Oh, Peter, influenced by the evil one? No. Get behind me, Satan. You are not just to influence. You are him. See, if you live in Easter Friday, Easter Sunday, the death and the resurrection, if you live in and then live from, that means your Monday to Sunday and repeat. If you live there, I'm going to carry my cross like Christ. I'm going to follow His example. I'm going to live my life this way. You know what then? The devil lost. Satan lost. If you live there. If you stay on the cross until God's plan is fulfilled in that area. If you stay on, the enemy lost. But if you come down 
or you quit before the cross has run its course, you lost. Satan won. Now, that doesn't mean you lost your salvation. Not at all. You have your salvation because you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have it. But what it does mean is you lost your growth. You lost your maturing in your faith and in your relationship. You lost your victory. Satan talked you out of growth and development and out of everything you already are in Christ. He has brainwashed you to go the easy way and believe in my friends the easy way based on the life of Christ. That's not the resurrection way. We live in a world where there will be challenges. But I want to say this again. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in this day, which means I'm going to do things how Christ modeled it for me. And because I'm going to do things His way, I trust Him. I know what the outcome will be even when it is hard. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Now, a few verses ago, Peter, Petros, you are a rock. A few verses later, Peter, you are a stumbling block. How can a guy go from rock to stumbling block? A stumbling block is anyone who tries to talk you out of God's tests and God's ways. That's a stumbling block. When God set you up for growth, go through the cross. When God sets you up to develop as a disciple, go through the cross. Peter, you are trying to talk me out of the purpose of my life to serve my Father. It says, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Here is the goal of my life. Here's my declaration. Here is my goal. I, I hope this, this is the goal of, of, of you guys, all, of, for, for you also. Here's my goal. My goal in every area of my life. I want to do things God's way. That's my goal. I want to do things God's way. It's simple, not a complicated one. But I can only do things God's way if I trust Him and if I believe He knows more than I do. Otherwise, I won't do things His way. No, God, I've got this figured out. You missed a step. I can only do things God's way when I trust Him and when I believe He knows more than I do. When I know His ways are higher than my ways. When I know this is so important, He is for me and not against me. So when He instructs me to do things in a certain way, in a certain pattern in my life, I know it is because He's instructing me because He is for me. There's not a moment in His character where He is against me. There's no sarcasm from God towards us. There's no, it's like, I was joking. I'm not really for you, only sometimes. I must know that. To do things God's way, and I'm, this is every area of your life. To do things His way, it means that you are believing Him. Now, I want to say to you, if your actions don't follow what you... I see people shaking their heads. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Are you doing things His way? Are you? 
You need to know that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to do things his way, which means I'm going to build my house on the foundation of his word. That's my life's goal. Following God. That's my life, life's goal. Therefore, because I know he's for me, he's not against me. Because I know he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Because I know his ways are higher than my ways. I know that everything that God, and I get this, I know then, these, these go hand in hand. You have to get this. Because I know God's for me, I'm going to do things His way. I also know that everything that God allows me to go through is for God to accomplish something in my life. So if I'm going through something really hard right now, you believe God is for you, right? God's for you. I believe God's for me. I know his, his plans for me are great. I worked so hard on this thing and it didn't work out. Do you believe God's for you? Then God, even this thing, which I don't understand, I don't get it. I know you are for me, but I know whatever I am going through because I serve you. I am on the cross. You are my example. I'm doing things your way. Because I serve you, even this hard thing, I know you're doing this because you want to grow something in me. And I'm not going to get off this cross simply because it didn't work out my way. I'm going to follow you even more because I know you are for me. My faith is in Him. Whatever we are dealing with, I know my God is for me. And we will stay on the cross. And His ways, uh, they are hard. I get that. But God is busy growing. He's growing me. See, Satan doesn't want you to go through the growth. There's an incredible scripture in 1 Corinthians 2, 8. It speaks about the rulers of this world. And the scripture refers to, it says the following, but the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. What the scripture is saying is the following. If the enemy knew that victory was going to happen through the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, they would not have crucified the Christ. If the enemy knew that, if they knew their defeat was going to be because of the cross, they would not have crucified him. But now they know that victory comes how? Through the cross. Now they know. And they will try everything and anything possible to get you off of yours. Because they know that's how your victory is going to come also. He says, Peter, if you understood the mind of God, here's what you would have known. You told me I am the Christ. If you understood what that meant, you would know that it says in the screenplay, in Isaiah, it says that I would die, that I would be whipped and bruised, but I will rise again. If you understood what that meant, you wouldn't worry about me going to the cross because you know there's going to be a resurrection. Then he says, pick up your cross and follow me. When you're going through struggles, you go through it because you've seen and you know what the Bible says regarding our lives also. God has already determined your resurrection. Paul said, we rejoice in tribulation. Why do we rejoice in tribulation? That's just weird because we know Tribulation produces character. Not based on the enemy defeating me. No. Tribulation. I'm with God. His plans for me are great. I've got the, 
the, the peace of God that, that's above all understanding in the middle of tribulation. Why? Because I know my God is for me. He's not against me. And even this hard thing that I'm going through, my God has a plan for me, and I know His plan is resurrection. It gives us the comfort and the peace to know that God is for us. To the world, the cross means death and fear. But to us as believers, the cross should mean growth and life. I want to say this again last time because I don't want you to be confused about what the cross for believers are. For believers, it means I will lay down my life. I will follow your ways, even when it's hard and when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to do things your way. Even when the outcome is not what I expected it to be, I trust you. Even when friends and family members and uh, the world tells me to stop doing things the hard way, just do things the easy way, I will not. I will follow your path the way you instruct me to go. I will continue to carry my cross because I know what it produces. So knowing what it is for, you are not scared of it. And you go through it because you know what happens next. So, so here's real practical. We're going to finish with this quickly. Okay, real practical things. Let's talk practical cross-carrying Christians. Like, give you a badge. I'm a cross-carrying Christian. Okay, so practical Practical. Everybody ready? This is where the toes are going to be stamped on. Your marriage might not be perfect. But he says, pick up your cross husbands. And he says, pick up your cross wives. He did not say, become your husband's cross. He did not. Or become your wife's cross. He says, Pick up your cross, husbands. Maybe you tried for a while and then you got some counseling for, you know, you're picking up your cross as a wife. And then your girlfriend comes and says, you know what? He's not worth it. He's not worth it for you to work that hard on your relationship. Just stop doing your part because he ain't ever going to change. Pick up your cross. Don't care how many times you've done it. Pick up your cross again. Be the wife that God has called you to be. You are accountable. Hear me, please, wives and husbands, every single one of us. I am going to stand in front of God and not be accountable for how my wife was to me. I'm going to stand in front of God with my cross and be accountable for how I am as a husband to her. Wives, you're going to be accountable for your love, for your honor, for your respect, for your support. That's what you're going to be accountable for. Husbands, pick up your cross. Be the husband God called you to be. Maybe you've been told many times you will never be able to achieve it or be it. It doesn't matter. Pick up that cross again. Be the husband God's called you, and you wonder what the husband is, go and find it in God's Word. We've got teachings on how to be a, a husband. He says, Christ laid down His life for the church. So husbands, you are to lay down your lives for your wives. 
Meaning we're going to serve her. We're going to love her. We're going to bless her. We're going to do everything we possibly can because she is my bride. And there's an honor and a respect for her and a value that you know she is so precious to you. Pick that up again. And if you keep carrying that cross, there will be a resurrection. If you are dealing with an addiction, please hear me. Pick up the cross again. Pick up your cross again. I don't care how many times you have failed. If you are dealing with an addiction, start nurturing and going after God's presence because it is His presence that sets us free. Go after that. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. You know, here's a really good one. Parents, pick up your cross and start being a parent again. In the home, be present. Don't be absent. Be a father and a mother. A big role of a parent is to train up their child. Train up your child in the ways of the Lord and he will not depart from it. That's a big role that you have. doesn't matter how old they are. But let's say if your kids are younger. Parents, get your kids to church. Get them to youth. And some of you say, well, yeah, but they don't like church right now. Really don't care. I don't. They don't like school. But you send them. They don't like veggies. But you know it's good for them. They don't like going to bed early. But we do it because if they don't, I know they're going to be tired. And they're going to be drained. And they're not going to be able to function the way they are supposed to function. So I send them to bed, not because I'm mean, but because I know it's good for them. The same way having kids, if you are here, if you're forced, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. If it's good for you. How many of you, when you grew up, loved church when you were a kid? Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> not one of you. No one. I grew up, I did not like it. But you know what? That seed that was sown, God's word is good seed. And it will produce. Here's the problem. If they stay home. So, so here's, here's, what you are, here's what you are confronted with, right? So here, here are the two options. If they stay home and they say, you know what, mom, dad, for the morning while you're in church, I'm just going to listen to worship music on my own. And I'm just going to pray fast a little bit, right, until lunch. But no, what are they doing? They're on their screens, and they're being fed by the world. You have the opportunity to feed them God's Word. You, you have the opportunity to do it every day, but in a congregational environment, you have the opportunity to do it once a week. Don't let that opportunity pass you by. It is so valuable. It's so valuable for them to be here. Get your kids to church and spank them. No, don't. Okay, last one I want to finish up. Uh, uh, pick up your cross. Uh, church members, uh, this is going to be a really good one. 
Pick up your cross as the church. What are we called to do as disciples, as followers of Jesus? Serve. We're called to serve. What's the example of Jesus? Serving. I don't like the guy who's leading the ministry. I don't care. I don't. You're not serving him. Somebody said something that was offensive. Get over it. You're not serving the person who said something that was offensive. I don't like the way they do it. You're not doing it for them. You're serving the body. If you have a gift and a talent, and hear me very directly, and you are not using it for the body, buddy, you better pick up that cross. Pick up that cross. Why? Because you picking up your cross in a body means there's resurrection for other people, not just for you. Not just for the area that you're serving in. You become a blessing to others around you. So that we can create an environment where Christ is present and He's being loved and He's being worshipped and honored. And people can come to you and say, wow, point and just see, this person just serves like Jesus is serving. You want to teach your children an attitude and a heart attitude of not being selfish? Man, it starts with serving. It does not start by telling them, don't be selfish. That's not how you show them that. It's in your service. How are you serving people? Get over your offense. Get over your own thinking of, well, you know, that's how I was brought up. You were wrong. Christ is our example. The ultimate sacrifice, service, we celebrated last week. And he's calling every single one of us to follow his example. Are you following his example? Are you following it? Uh, worship team, you guys can come up. Sorry, I should have called you up already. I want to say this again. Most simplest definition of what it means to pick up my cross means I'm going to do things God's way. Are there areas in your life where you are not doing things God's way? Because the challenge for us then is to make an adjustment. Repent. Change the way you think about it. Change your thinking about it. So that your actions will change. And it's one thing to say, God, you know what? I want to pick up my cross, but we don't do anything about it. We as a church, and I, I, I love this body. And I know... I think almost every single one of you, almost personally. We know what's going on in your lives. We, we know the victories. We know the hardships. We know the difficulties. I know all of that. But I want to want us to be a church that follows Jesus' example. and Be a church that serves and loves. A church that's generous. A church that's kind. A church that's welcoming and inviting. But more than that, I want us to be a church that reflects who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. When they come through that door, they must go, wow, these people are really showing, showing us who Christ is. And it's not just by yelling and demanding and prayers. Those things are good. No problem with praying powerful prayers. But are you carrying your cross every single day? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and your word is challenging and Father, the purpose of your word is not to bring offense to any person's heart. And Father, if any way that I spoke brought offense or caused me to be a stumbling block, I want to 
ask that you will forgive me for that. But I also ask, Father, I know that your spirit can work Even when, when the message isn't clear, your spirit is very clear when it speaks to our hearts. Father, we want to be a body that resembles you. Which means we have to look different than the world. And the way we look different, Father, is by doing things your way. I pray that we'll, we will be known for it. Walking with integrity walking with biblical principles and morals. And I'm thankful, Father, that we are never too far gone that we can change and repent our ways. You are always there and always ready to receive us. We love you, God. And God, I pray this morning while we sing this last song that your spirit will minister to every heart, to every person that's here. I pray that your personal message will, will fall on every chair, on every seat that's filled. What you want to say will fall and fall on every chair that's here, every person, every seat that's filled. That we'll hear directly from you about the changes and the direction recalculating that we have to do. You are good and you love us unconditionally. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.